0: The best allies are the ones who never make it about themselves. You know, they make a mistake, they apologize, they move on.
1: Welcome to Hardly Working, a podcast about how we can improve work, life, and everything in between. These are recordings from live conversations on Fishbowl, a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can join us live next time on the Fishbowl app. We have events every day. Okay, let's get started. Hello everyone, welcome. My name is Aria Devachi. I am the Programming Director for Do The Work. If you're unfamiliar with Do The Work, Do The Work is a grassroots organization and community aimed at creating sustainable and meaningful change for LGBTQ people in marketing and advertising. We do this once a month here on the Fishbowl app. Uh, So if you are interested in queer marketing, in the realities of being queer, um, please prepare to come back monthly to talk with us. Um, I also, during the day, uh, when I'm not doing that job, I'm an experiential producer at VMLY in our commerce, working on a bunch of brands on a global scale. Um, but today we are here to talk about safe spaces. And I kind of want to open by acknowledging that we are currently having a bit of a national crisis, a bit of a national mourning A bit of internal dialogue around a very complex and upsetting circumstances that happened earlier this week in Texas and then a few weeks ago in Buffalo. Those are just two examples of extreme situations that have taken place in our country and have sort of resulted in the uh, necessity of more safe spaces and brave spaces. So I wanted to just formally acknowledge that and make sure that we don't ignore the realities um, because these realities, in fact, demand us to move forward and create more progress. And I don't want to be so much reactionary, but rather be more honest about where we are right now, how these spaces are being built and how when these sort of incredibly tragic events take place, how we respond and how we can be prepared to respond. So it doesn't feel so much as reactive, but so much as a tool that we already have in our pocket that we're ready to bring forward whenever something like that takes place. I wanna encourage everyone, if you've got questions that you want to ask us during this conversation, please DM them to me. I um, mean, click on my little box little circle you dm them to me personally and we will try to get them in into this conversation before we jump into these questions i really want to give each of our panelists the opportunity to introduce themselves briano can you please tell us a bit about what you do who you are and how you identify please
2: Yes, my name is Brianna Mendez. I'm a queer Puerto Rican based in Florida. My pronouns are she, her. My main gig is working at SXM Media, SXM Media, SiriusXM, XM, Pandora, Citra Podcast, all things audio, working as a sales marketing manager for multicultural audiences. And then my side hustle is co-founder of La Nueva Link, a network for Latinx creative professionals. And that's me. Thank you, Brianna. We're going to talk a lot more about web a
1: Link, as we move through this conversation. Nick, I want to come to you next. Can you please tell folks about who you are, what you do, how you identify, and where you are, please?
0: Yes. Hi, everyone. My name is Nick Casey. Uh, Aria, thank you for having me. Um, my pronouns are they and them, and I am a queer, non-binary, trans-Asian um, entrepreneur. I created the first gender-free footwear and accessories company called Nick Casey Footwear as well as started uh, the first LGBTQ-focused fashion week in LA called Equality Fashion Week. And more recently, I just uh, created Queer Prom as a fundraiser for Equality Fashion Week, which will happen on June 18th. So don't mind me for plugging it at the Globe Theater uh, as part of Pride. Thanks, you.
1: You can plug as often as you'd like. That's part of what this space is for. Thank you, Nick, for being here. Brian, I wanna to come to you last, but certainly not least. Can you tell folks about who you are, what you do, how you identify?
3: Hi, everyone. Brian Tran here from Los Angeles, uh, West Hollywood specifically. So if you're around, please say hi. He, him, queer, gay, Vietnamese, American. I started Serif. Serif is a global members club for queer creators and leaders with an NFT membership. The goal here is to create different spaces where we can gather, collaborate, and learn about Web3 because it is actively reshaping how we consume information, own and interact with culture, amongst many other things. But excited to chat here, Aria. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you all for being here. As I said, I really want to start by addressing the tragedies that have taken place this past month because I feel as though these tragedies immediately sort of lead to a widespread reaction on social media, inside of our workplaces, at home, everywhere. We're sort of rocked in these undefinable ways. And as I enter this conversation, I really wanted to ask each of you uh, to talk a bit about what you're hoping to see and maybe already seeing when it comes to uh, creating spaces around what's going on. Brianna, I wanna come to you first. What are you seeing out in your world um, when it comes to response to these tragedies?
2: I mean, it just always starts with conversation. Like I think, you know, checking in, seeing how we're feeling. I think like our mind just goes to so many directions. We think about, you know, the tragedy itself with the victims, and then we think about you know the implications of politics and policy. And then we think about, and what I've been you know thinking about a lot today, sort of like the emotional aspect and you know what's really being taken away from us when we live in fear is happiness, safety, and peace, and really grappling with like what the state or what our reality is, and understanding what how this fear manifests in our lives. so I don't know, you know, and and then feelings of hopelessness, like, where do we go from here? So I think just like having conversations in safe spaces like this, right? Holding space with your communities. I think the first thing that we can do and that we are doing and that we're doing right now, and I think through that community building and talking and holding space for each other is where we can support and find solutions. But just holding space and, um, yeah, that's where I'm at.
1: (laughs) Brian, I want to come to you, as someone who operates a global community of individuals, when something like this happens, how do you respond? And how does how does your community sort of activate?
3: Yeah, you know, it's a tough subject. In this particular instance, it really hits host, close to home because I grew up in Houston, Texas, and I have a lot of friends who actually went to that specific school when they were kids. So it's a really tough subject for me right now, and, you know, being obviously a very liberal person who has grown up in Texas, you just sadly have become desensitized to what politicians do to sort of address or not even address what's going on today, right? But specifically, what does the serif community do? We think about different ways to support our own members to see how they're feeling. It's a simple gut check, like you know, there's so many things you could do like, hey, how are you two doing today? Right. So everyone listening in, you know, if you feel strong, you can totally ask your friends who are affected by this and your family members like how they're doing. And that can go so, so far. Um, something that's more action oriented, right, is fundraising. You know, there are a lot of great people doing amazing work that you probably don't have the expertise in of how to address this. Um, you know, create fundraisers for those politicians who are actively doing the work, uh, those organizations that are actively trying to bring down NRA, um, they need your dollars more than ever. But yes, those are some of the very simple ways, but effective ones where you can help.
1: Nick, I wonder if you have anything that you wanna add to sort of this topic and what you're seeing right now in the world and how you feel like maybe your community is being activated uh you
0: know honestly something that i've been really recognizing within myself and acknowledging it and respecting it is like i'm just burnt out from so much of the strife that we've been going through the last few years and how much discord has come you know and separated and divided so many of us on so many levels right and it's like violence like this that keeps happening over and over despite so much research and so much like conversations and discussions about like what can be done and being faced in a country where you know it's kind of on deaf ears right so honestly for my own like mental health i've had to really put aside all the activation that i was doing in terms of like donating supporting and protesting and all those things and just decided that for myself like i'm gonna focus on what i can do for our community to provide like healing and joy and celebration because otherwise like I just, you know, fully transparent, like I don't I didn't know what else I could do, you know, that, that I don't know that I could handle anymore, you know?
1: Yeah, I absolutely understand. And I, I know that many people feel that way and it does seem like an endless barrage. I wanna take a step back. I wanna talk about, Nick, why we're having this conversation. You and I connected a few months ago and we sort of had a conversation around safe spaces. To be fully transparent with our audience, Nick was attending a do-the-work panel and reached out very publicly, which I was incredibly admiring of, just to talk about the bit of frustration that they felt around um, the lack of representation of the panel. And for me, that was something that, as the programming director and the person who was hosting the panel, um, immediately I was like, and now I must speak to this person and now I must like have a conversation with them. And Nick, in our initial conversation, you really beautifully illuminated like the frustrations around quote-unquote safe spaces And sort of like, who are these spaces actually safe for? And I feel like there's a lot of people who might be frustrated right now as they attempt to find a safe space to respond to what is happening. I wonder, can you talk a bit about those frustrations and more importantly, like the practices that you may have that you've utilized to move through those frustrations when it comes to safe spaces?
0: yeah and thank you it's funny every time you you mention how we got connected i always kind of chuckle in the back because i think one it's that like internalized like asian like chinese immigrant raised you know culture of like not being allowed to speak up especially being assigned female at birth And so it's always funny when someone acknowledges that like, I very publicly, you know, which would be like so not okay normally for certain cultures. And that's why safe spaces are so important, right? Is because I didn't grow up with feeling safe to speak up, to do what I wanted, to be myself, to be my own identity, uh, my gender expressions and things like that. And I feel like it's funny because being queer and being so involved in, in our queer community now, you think that like we're, we're kind of living in a bubble of safe space, right? But in actuality, it really depends on like what tier of the level you're in, right? Like what community group, what cultural group, you know, there's so many levels, so many intersectionalities of that that make up who, who we are. As I enter into these different, quote unquote, safe spaces and who are supposed to be inclusive, I find a lot of frustration because depending on who's creating the conversation, and who's guiding it. It really determines who, who is actually safe for, you know, safe safe for. Um, and I think for me, it's oftentimes like, I'm, I'm the token Asian, I'm the token trans person, I'm non-bi- non-binary or the immigrant or the entrepreneur, like all of those different tiers of, you know, what make us who we are. And what was your last one? Like, how do we create more safe spaces? I'm wondering
1: how you, how you move through that feeling? How, you know, when, when you determine that maybe the safe space is actually not safe for you individually, what do you do with that? How does that, is it a, I'm gonna raise my hand and say something all the time, or are there other tactics? What have you sort of been utilizing as your response to that?
0: Yeah, so, you know, part of it was in the beginning, you know, even like as an entrepreneur, for example, uh, walking into a factory and like having the whole factory go silent. And like you can hear a pin drop and people were whispering and and I couldn't figure out why until later, you know, I asked like my agent and was like, why were they whispering, you know, and he was like, you know, they couldn't figure out if you were a boy or a girl. And it's like, you know, little things like that, like most people would take for granted, like that would never happen to most people. Right. And for me, it's something that happens constantly. And I had to really learn to find my voice and overcome the cultural conditioning, you know, of being Asian and Chinese and being a female at birth that, like, I have to find my voice. Otherwise, like, if no one speaks, like, if I don't speak up for myself, no one else will type of thing. And, and so I started pushing myself to enter these spaces, right? Regardless if they, I felt like they were safe or not. And I was very involved with the queer community since I think 1997 was when I started uh, volunteering and just really putting myself out there and being tokenized. And I didn't care because I realized one very important thing was people can complain about not being visible or like you can just show up. And then eventually it becomes more visible, right? And then, and I like to think that like, I was one of the first to show up and hopefully it made it feel more safe for other people after me. But it's just having to embrace, like I feel, lucky that I have that kind of personality where I don't give af you know <laughs> like I just will show up and I will do what I can and help create the conversation and speak up if I feel like we're not being represented or you know even at the panel for do the work you know I heard a lot of great things and, and I think that you all had a great conversation but I didn't feel like there was anything that would relate it to me you now that I could you know feel like I was being included in and so I spoke up and What was great, though, was that the way you received it and the way everyone received it, and even though I was a little bit nervous about speaking up, you know, you reached down, you wanted to have the conversation with me, and that's the kind of stuff we need. That's what creates the truly safe spaces, is that you might be, you know, wrong, not wrong, but like, you know, you might not be doing fully like being fully inclusive, but you don't know until somebody speaks up, right? So and being just being open to hearing the the positive criticism is I think what's really important.
1: I absolutely agree. I think you're it's very well said what you were talking about in terms of part of a safe space is being able to listen, being able to hear. If you're not hearing that the safe is the space is probably not very safe. Brian, I wanna come to you um, you built something that had never existed before. Um, it sort of came out of, it sort of, you built it. And I imagine on this call, there is at least a small handful of people who are thinking about building something, thinking about building a community-based safe space or a space that is built for a community to thrive inside of. What lessons can you share with them about how you built Serif and what that building of that safe space is um, and how you sort of have embraced the multidimensionality of queerness in building it?
3: Thanks, Arya. Seraph is a global members club for queer creators and leaders. It's totally rooted in this need that we need something other than a bar, club, or app to connect. So what we do right now is we do these pop-up experiences that are highly curated in various cities, and you actually get to meet folks from different identities and industries And we're actually in the process of building our physical space. And to access it, you need our NFT membership. If you want to learn more, you can find out about it at www.serif.space. When it comes to building your own space, right? I think we fall into this trap that we need to be everything for everyone, which is inherently impossible because we all have different needs. We all have different desires, and we all have different intentions. And when you throw, you know, the queer and queer as in like, you know, umbrella term to describe all the letters, that dynamic changes everything, right? I think you shouldn't be afraid to segment and tailor you know, what you know you can do and what you can promise to a specific audience. I think there's ways to always be inclusive, but I think the important thing is as you're building your own spaces, whether it's your employee ERG or you know, an event that you're putting together, or maybe it's an art show that, you know, you don't have to account for everyone, be real with yourself with what you can promise to create a great experience for others. And there are multiple ways to be inclusive, right? So for instance, if you're putting together a after work function for queer people in the marketing industry, right? You can't inherently be inclusive of everyone because you are in marketing, you're in a professional realm, so inherently you have a lot more privilege. But you could easily say, okay, we want to meet at this bar or this restaurant, we'll work out with the restaurant to say a portion of these proceeds go to this specific charity. Or maybe you invite someone from a different community to speak what's happening in their world, right? There are so many simple ways and things that you can do that are just the beginning of creating your own space. Obviously, Serif is very robust and growing, and we always welcome new members. But this is how these things start. I mean, I started Serif out of a newsletter in my bedroom in San Francisco, where I basically pretended to be Carrie Bradshaw meets Gossip Girl. And I wanted all of my friends to meet. So I wrote up these funny tidbits about them and it went viral. And, you know, you can always start small and it'll snowball into something. But I think, again, it's always back to create an experience for people where you can deliver what you can promise with what you're great at and you shouldn't be afraid of that.
1: That's very well said. Brianna, I feel like this is, that is fairly similar to what you've done with La Nueva Link. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I love about La Nueva Link is you've got that private Slack channel. It's a virtual space. Um, where folks are coming together, you know, it's vetted. It's, it, I love that. I personally like. I think it maybe is what we need more of—a sort of a vetted, safe space. Um, can you tell us a bit about what it's like to inhabit a virtual safe space like that? What are the pros? What are the cons? Tell us more about La Nueva Link in general.
2: Yeah, so I'll start with just sharing about La Nueva Link. Um, Me and my fellow co-founder, Deborah Renteria, I was over at Genius, she was over at HBO at the time. We're both advocating for more Latinx representation in our roles, in our jobs, in our content, the output. And we just sort of connected on that sort of um, shared passion, right, for pushing La Cultura forward. And we also knew that there were this generation of Latinx professionals who were also doing the same. And it was around the time where it was Hispanic Heritage Month and there wasn't, uh, there were a lot of events kind of bringing us together, but there wasn't like a, like a platform or a dedicated space, right? And here I'm I'm talking about it in a, in a theoretical aspect, right? That obviously not a physical space, but like a space for us to really connect and find each other. So we took it upon ourselves and launched La Nueva Link, thinking that it would be happy hours and events, maybe a conference in the future and pandemic happened and we had to pivot and think about like what does community look like in a virtual aspect and you know both of us were familiar with slack due to our jobs having slack and so we launched our own private slack and you know i loved what brian was saying because i think when it comes to safe spaces it has to be intentional right and and i think safe spaces still need to be you know inclusive in its roots because if it's too exclusionary then it's not necessarily safe for those who want to come in. But you have to be intentional in terms of like, what are the core values? What do we believe in? Who are the type of people that can be in this space to make it safe? And, you know, now even just thinking about it, La Nueva Link certainly is inclusive to Latinx folks working, you know, across any industry really but, you know, we do approach things in a very inclusive manner. You know, we're here to embrace our Afro Latinos, our LGBTQ folks, um, our, our folks who are immigrants, first gen, et cetera. But also, you know, our, our core values are we don't allow misogyny. We don't allow racism. We don't allow homophobia ableist language. And our beliefs are inside of progress, right? We want to create progress to create a, a better version of, you know, the Latinidad, whatever that is. And, um, you know, Slack has been a, a space for us to facilitate some of those conversations, um, share information, ask questions. Oh, what I like about Slack, it's you know the way that we have it set up currently it's not like a bombardment of information right sometimes when you're in a group chat you have like 200 unread messages you know slack is a little bit more passive on our end um but it's a space that you can lean on and people are there and active and we have over 450 people who are active in that space and i think since we've you know have communicated that la nueva link believes in these values we don't allow for any hate and we're here for progress is the reason why the slack coming in you know we've had it for two years we haven't had any problems with the folks who have been part of the slack community and yeah it's been a really great tool for connection more than anything
1: y'all i need to ask you the big question which is are we constructing safe spaces correctly looking around are we doing a good job Nick, I want to come to you first. Do you feel like all in all, we're doing a good job of constructing safe spaces? I feel
0: like we're trying our best. (laughs) I think overall, most of the spaces that I've been to, people have the best of intentions. And, you know, like Brian said that it's hard to like be completely inclusive, right? Like sometimes it's really, it reminds me of being a kid when I wanted all my friends to be friends you know it's sometimes just not possible in a time when we're we're living in challenging times right like so there's a lot of divide and this difference of opinions and and i think it's bringing up a lot of things within ourselves so that it makes it kind of difficult to to have certain conversations you know i feel like people's fuses is a little bit shorter than before tolerance is a little bit you know shorter than before and i think that it's um uh, important for us to kind of push through this, these challenging times and even continue to make the mistakes that we need to so that we can learn, because I don't think there's anything uh, such a thing as failure. I think it's always a learning experience. And I think like people like us, like you and I, and and now, you know, Brianna and, and Brian, like us being able to connect and hopefully like, you know, for me, it's really about building this community together. Because we're stronger when we do it together. And then we have all of our different perspectives and our various, you know, respective communities. And I think in working together, that's how we can continue to make safer spaces and build safer spaces together because we're having these conversations and we're talking about the things that are lacking and, you know, what's missing and what are the things that we're not doing always quite right. I really believe in changing the world through inspiration versus telling people how to do things, you know, if that makes sense. Yeah. It does.
1: I think you were right at the beginning of like, people are doing their best. They're trying. Brian, I want to come to you on this. How do you think we're doing? Do you have any response to what Nick shared?
3: I mean, I'm on the same page as you, Nick. We're all trying our best here, right? (laughs) It's really hard to knock down someone unless they are clearly just... Trying to create harm and not be inclusive in, in the most righteous ways, right? I mean, it's hard, right? It's hard to create space. It's hard to bring people together. Um, I mean, that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to do your best, right? And that doesn't mean you shouldn't try to serve your community. But you know, ultimately, effort is really is what matters at the end of the day. I know this is so broad. I just, I'm just totally in agree agreement with Nick. It's just, it is so hard to produce these. It's so hard to please every everyone. everyone it's so hard to make everyone happy and you know ultimately you have to be proud of like you know what you're doing at the end of the day right so it's like what are those small wins that you can create for yourself as you're creating more spaces for people and build on top of that i think is really the better question here
1: Brianna,
2: jump in. Yeah, no, I, you know, I agree. You know, we really are doing our best. And, but I also want to say, you know, like safe spaces, they don't exist without community, right? And, you know, community thrives with collective care. And I'm thinking about this book I, I kicked off that's been recommended by friends and I will recommend it to you all. It's by Mia Birdsong and it's called How We Show Up. And it's, you know, just unpacking, you know, the power community and how these community networks are effective. And you know, and I think one thing that sometimes we miss the mark in is the responsibility that comes with having a safe space, building that community, you know, we have to be responsible for one another. And, you know, Mia Birdsong and the book said something along the lines is like, you know, that doesn't mean we can heal someone or make them accountable, but they also have to own a commitment to those things. Right. And I think that's what you know we need to sometimes focus on a little bit more is is the work that is needed we have to all do our part because you know folks like Brian and Nick who are facilitating these spaces they're doing the work but the safe spaces won't be able to maintain and sustain itself unless everyone does their part and i think you know we have a long way to go as well in that aspect because we do live in a very individualistic society and country in general and um and i think we're, we're starting to move away and really understand like what it means to be involved and to take care and to invest in a safe space and um And it's incredible to see more and more people actually start to dedicate to that work.
1: You know, it's really interesting to me. I feel like in 2022, I've seen so often this sort of concept of not a monolith and this sort of very like large scale movement towards like embracing intersectionality and difference. And, you know, I think historically we were building safe spaces and building spaces for like, oh, like if you're queer, like this is the space for you. Like if you are black, the space for you. If you are Latinx, this is the space for you. If you are a woman, this is the space for you. And I wonder, Nick, like, how do you feel about this sort of transgression, maybe not transgression, but uh, maybe evolution, frankly, um, towards that sort of not a monolith mentality? Um, Do you think people are maybe evolving in that right way when it comes to representation and intersectionality?
0: I think that's a really great question uh, and something that I often discuss in a lot of other panels and like community group discussions because I think, you know, from my experience being multiple layers and intersectionalities of various cultures, I realize that I can view the world from where I stand, where I grew up feeling like I was the only one like me, you know. And so when I look at the world and I observe and I see how the other communities really band together and it's, it kind of feels segregated almost, you know, and then I think to myself, like, well, why aren't we all working together because we're all struggling here against like one common, you know, quote unquote, enemy, right? Like, and if we're trying to like break down the, the white patriarchy, it's like, how can we do this together? And I'm starting to see this shift, you know, like, back in the 90s, when I first came out, and you know, I thought I was a lesbian at the time. And, and don't get me wrong, I still feel like a lesbian sometimes, right? But um, there was a, like a big divide between like lesbian, gay, you know, trans. And, and trans at the time was not even very visible and, and represented. So now like, it's a huge shift now looking into our community, like the city of West Hollywood and like the East Side, the West Side. Like it seems like it's a lot more inclusive now and people are really starting to see each other as just humans, which is a beautiful thing as it should be. And for me personally, like, you know, all of the events that I try to put together are very much about that inclusivity. And and then if not prioritizing those who are least seen, you know, and least represented. I think it's because I think we as a culture, as society, we understand that like it's hard to do this alone. We have to start really working together and we can get much further when we do. You know? So I hope that like all of our different communities, and even on this call, as you know, Brianna was saying, like, we have to do the work, right? And then like even all of the folks who are listening, like thank you so much for being here and listening. But I hope that this inspires you to take this after you hang up on this call and like do the work on your own too you know.
1: I think that's really well said. I wonder that we've spent a lot of this conversation about starting safe spaces and I'd like to take a pivot a bit to sort of now this this evolution portion right and sort of talk about you know how are we evolving our existing spaces. I'll come to you first Brian to talk about conversation dynamics Because I think there's one thing is building the space. The other thing is like how we talk to each other in those spaces and how we like really embrace each other through conversation. And I wonder what your sort of thoughts have been around conversation dynamics, how you feel like they're evolving and anything that you felt like you've learned about sort of the conversations that you're holding inside of these safe spaces that you might want to share with the folks who are listening.
3: Yeah, Seraph is interesting because we are at the intersection of social and semi-professional networking right a lot of our events revolve around meeting new people just for the fun of it and seeing you know what magic can happen. and what we try to do is curate you know a room of people that you would you know possibly never meet you're going to have your artist who is getting ready to put on a show an investor is in, you know Crypto, a doctor, a surgeon, and a nurse, right? These are all very, very different people. And, you know, you have to always figure out, like, okay, like, how do you create the environment for them to have fun and connect, right? It really comes down to the culture and the guidelines that you communicate explicitly and implicitly. So before anybody joins Seraph, you're required to sign a community agreement and Um, I think what's interesting is it's not like a, you know, 10, 12, 15 point thing of don't do this, you can't do that, none of this, not to say that those things aren't important. Our approach is like, look, we understand that you all are intelligent, you are self-aware that you need to respect other different people. You're here because you acknowledge that we need a space um, where we can be ourselves and connect no matter who we are, right? So we require you to sign that simple paragraph, and it really sets the tone for how you go into a space, right? And also, like, you know, before we do any type of event, we make sure that we send out different communication channels so that people understand, like, what the vibe is, right? It's like, okay, this is, like, a 15-person dinner with... Different industry leaders. It's on a Wednesday from 6 to 9 PM, right? It's casual, but you know, a little focused on networking. Whereas it's like, hey, you know, we're doing this party in Silver Lake. There's gonna be about a hundred of our members there. Aries is spinning as a DJ, like come and have fun, right? You're doing something completely more social. And so I think it's really about setting the tone and not being afraid to communicate guidelines and vibes and having people subscribe into that.
1: Um, guidelines and Vibes is my new, like, favorite.
3: Guidelines and together. Vibes,
1: baby. Guidelines and Vibes. That's what we're holding on to. Brianna, I want to come to you with sort of the same question. And I'm intrigued because I, I really loved hearing about from Brian how, like, folks, when they join Seraph, like, there's sort of this acknowledgement that takes place. And I do think that a lot of folks, when they walk into a safe space, they walk into a community space, there's a, there's fear, right? Like, there's so much fear around, like, am I going to say the wrong thing? Am I going to upset the right person? What What am I supposed to not do? I'm wondering for La Nueva Link and for your work in general, like how do you go around sort of setting the tone and improving those conversation dynamics? Do you have any learnings that you want to share?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's pretty simple. Um, like I mentioned before, like when we do have our conversations and we've had a couple like social audio conversations to you know, we say ableist, homophobia, racism, et cetera, is not allowed in the space, will be kicked out. But also, and I, I do this as well, because in my job, I'm Puerto Rican, but as a multicultural marketing manager, I, I have to speak to all communities of color. And I was recently working on our, our API narrative, and I had to present it, because um, I'm the only multicultural lead. And you know and i said like i'm not from this community uh this presentation um i'm not telling you what you need to know this is a fluid dialogue and you have if and if you have any feedback criticism and insights a story to tell like please hop in the chat get on the mic and let's talk about it and i think it, i think that's where it really needs to land on it it is a dialogue a fluidity I'm not 100% right. I'm not 100% wrong. We're, we're here to understand each other. Because um, when we when we look at things of like right or wrong, when it becomes too binary and it doesn't allow for that fluidity, um, I think that that's where, you know, someone's like more keen on picking a side or really staying true to like what they fully believe in and inviting fluid dialogue is where you know people will be more open-minded and and that honestly in many ways have sort of lightened the weight of having to speak for all multicultural audiences right it's setting it up as like this is a fluid dialogue and let's keep the dialogue going
1: I think that bit about you know being right or wrong is the prickly thorn about safe spaces right for so many people there is that sort of like ah don't want to Do the wrong thing. And Brian, I'm wondering if you want to talk a bit about like this, the fine dance of like adapting and embracing adaptation while also like not making people feel like they're being left behind, right? Because that I think is something that I've witnessed. I have not experienced it, but I've seen it happen to other people where a space will evolve or something will happen and suddenly people are feeling like they've been left, you know, in the dust. Do you have anything to talk about in terms of how to appropriately walk that fine line?
3: Can you give me more details? Um,
1: yeah, so like I understand what you're saying,
3: but you go on. I
1: think I think this happens mostly when you are talking about allyship and you're talking about people who are joining in the safe space in terms of allies, that often, like, you know, some things will, will evolve and language will evolve. I think that's seen this in the queer community quite a bit around, like, language is evolving, things are changing, and the allies sort of, you know, raise their hands and are like, wait, now I'm confused. I don't feel like... This is what I, you know, signed up for. This isn't what I, like, knew I was coming into. And that is also a very rare phenomenon, obviously, of people, like, raising their hand within the space. But I've had people come to me and be like, wow, like, I joined the space. I feel like I was part of it. And now I feel like I've been left behind by it because it's evolved and I don't know how to evolve alongside of it. And I wonder, you know, as a leader, if you've had conversations with people around, like, not hand-holding, but a bit of like, we're going to walk this line together, if that makes sense.
3: Oh, I see what you're saying. I mean, the example and the situation that I can relate to the most is that when you know I started Serif, we did not have at the time serious ambitions to move into the Web3 and NFT space. I don't know how many people here are familiar with it. I don't know what your appetite is, where you are curious, where you're excited, or you're just completely turned off. But our point of view and me just having been you know within the tech industry is like the Bill Gates of the world are calling this as the next, you know, iteration of the internet, right? And it's going to reshape how we own and consume information. That is wildly different than what we do today when we give services our email and our data in exchange for nothing. And so, you know, historically, we have all seen what has happened to queer people when they are excluded from key important conversations that shape industries like healthcare. There was a time when you couldn't see your significant other when they were sick for whatever illness we have seen what happens in the workplace. We have seen what happens in finance. And we made a hard commitment to jump into Web3 and to use NFTs as a key to access our community. It was met with not equal excitement, uh, confusion, and even opposition. And, you know, we made sure we communicated why we were doing this. We wanted to be of help and that these are the very specific reasons why we need to do this right and we wanted to make sure that people were incentivized to be a part of this journey but you know ultimately there's only so much you can do right because you're either for it or you're not you know maybe you're on the fence and you'll maybe convert later and Our thinking was, okay, look, you're still a part of this community, but we're still going to continue to evolve. We'll continue to include you as much as you want. But, you know, just know that there will be a time and a place where you really are going to have to, like, lean in to access all the benefits, right? And this, again, comes down to... Community culture, you know, ultimately, like as much as we want everyone to be a part of this, we understand that it's not for everyone right now. So, yeah, that's my answer. Hopefully, that anecdote helps p- inspire people to sort of weigh difficult decisions as they transition their own communities through new phases of growth.
1: Yeah, and that brings me to my last question that I want to ask each of you, which is we we're talking about safe spaces, and each of us has sort of constructed our own safe spaces for our communities, but I want to take a beat right at the end to talk about allies who are stepping into safe spaces. Um, I think probably knowing the three of you and myself, we've also all been the allies stepping into the safe space for someone else. And I would love to start with you, Nick. Talk about what piece of advice you have for allies who are stepping into maybe some of the safe spaces that you inhabit, what role should they be playing? What should they be keeping in mind? Anything that you feel like they need to remember as they step into your spaces?
0: Yeah, you know, I am very blessed that I along along the
1: way on my little adventure
0: of life and being out in this community for the last 25, 30 years, uh, is that I've gained an incredible circle of allies, some queer, some not, some trans, you know, from just different intersectionalities. And one of the things I learned, because I really had to ask myself, like, what makes a great ally? Because I want to make sure I'm one, too, you know? And what I realized is that the best allies are the ones who never make it about themselves. You know, they make a mistake, they apologize, they move on. They don't make a big deal about misgendering me or, you know, whomever. They're also the ones that speak up for you when you're out. And let's say someone misgenders me or harasses me or whatever. The really great ones like don't need to be asked and they just step up, you know. And then also it's just like when you're not there, they're still doing the work. Those are really the ones that go above and beyond because even when you're not there, constant reminder in their lives to be able to stand up for you and help educate and inspire other people to pay it forward. Those to me are are some of my best traits for allies, for great allies, at least.
1: Thank you for that. Brianna, I wanna come to you next. For folks who are stepping into your safe spaces, folks that you're interacting with, and I know you talked a bit about also acting as an ally. um, What advice would you give folks? What role should they be
2: playing? Uh, I second everything that Nick shared. And I think, you know, on top of everything Nick shared, to not be redundant, I think it's also like knowing when it's not your space. I think there's also been some like criticism in like the queer POC nightlife scene where, you know, like queer POC parties are for queer POC communities and then it becomes really popular and then a lot of folks are coming and then it doesn't necessarily feel like a safe space anymore. Right. And, but then it's, then it's like, but we're inclusive. So I think it's also like allowing for, you know, folks in, in marginalized communities to have their space and, and and it's okay i think what you can do is then allies protect it and make sure that it sustains itself so that's that's what came to mind for me
1: yeah i i want to second the notion of sometimes knowing what space to walk into and what space to not walk into is important i think that i've i personally can say i've learned that the hard way of like oh walked into the space the space wasn't for me i'm gonna walk right back out um so definitely i think even with the best intentions Always consider what your actions actually mean and how they affect the space. And I think it's important for people to understand that your persona and experience as a person, although entirely valid, does change the room that you walk into. Brian, I want to come to you. Uh, same, same question. Piece of advice for allies for stepping into safe spaces. What role should they be playing? Tell us. Tell us. Tell us.
3: I mean, I really agree with everything that's being said here. It's, you know, you got to read the room, <laughs> right? You appreciate your your presence, of course, and your ongoing support. But, you know, sometimes you just got to recognize if, you know, the environment you're in is appropriate for you to be in. You know, sometimes queer people just want to be around other queer people. And, you know, you shouldn't feel bad if you're being left out. But there's a time and place for you. And there's a time and a place um, where you're always invited. But, you know sometimes it's just nice for us to connect with other people like ourselves and, and be ourselves and that doesn't mean that like, we can't do that when we're around you it's just there's a camaraderie and and a bond that happens when you meet other queer people because you've been so different your entire life and it's about a big part of being an ally is recognizing that and respecting that and giving people the space to congregate
1: Incredible. can i
0: also uh, add to that go ahead absolutely everything we just said, but also recognizing when you see space not being created for others to help make that space and give space to those people. I think that's also really
1: important as an ally. I agree. It is a bit of a see something, say something as well. Folks, I wanna thank you all so much for joining us. I wanna thank everyone for tuning in and listening in. I'm sure folks who are listening are wondering how they can connect with you and your organizations and the work that you do. Um, Brianna, I want to come to you first. If folks want to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do that?
2: Brianna Mendez at LinkedIn, Brianna Mendez on Instagram. I don't really have Twitter fingers. I just scroll and retweet, but Brianna M Mendez on Twitter. And then of course, follow La Nueva link on all social channels um at la Nueva link and yeah check me out
1: and then if folks want to get in get involved in la nueva link what's the best place for them to start
2: i think the best way to start is either our website lanovalink.com it needs a little facelift but um la Nueva links instagram uh is pretty the pretty much the one-stop shop for all of our latest stuff great thank you brian um if folks want
1: to connect with you how can they do that and how do they get involved in serif
3: yeah. So I'll do this in reverse. If you want more information or to get involved with Serif, want to invite you, please go to www.seraph.space And there's a lot more information there and you can apply there and just drop my name at the end of your application so we can like expedite you so you won't have to worry about getting reviewed or anything. But for me personally, best channel probably is Instagram. So you can find me at B-Tran-V, that is B as in boy, Tran as in my last name here, and then V as in Victor. So again, that's B-Tran-V.
1: Finally, last but not least, Nick, can you tell folks um, how they can get connected to you? And then can you remind us about all the work you're doing in Pride, please?
0: Uh, Yes, so uh, Queer Prom is June 18th in Los Angeles at the Globe Theater in partnership with the city of West Hollywood to celebrate Pride Month. You can all reach me on Instagram at Nick Casey, N-I-K-K-A-C-Y. Same thing for LinkedIn. I have Twitter, but I also don't use it very often. Um, And uh, my Equality Fashion Week, so at Equality Fashion Week would be the Instagram account for that, where you can link directly to the uh, Queer Prom page through Equality Fashion Week. And then Nick Casey Footwear would just be Nick Casey plus Footwear at the end.
1: Amazing! Thank you. For anyone who's listening, you. if you're interested in do the work, you can find us do the work W E R Q. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Um, my photo is the exact same thing. So you are gonna have the same orange background. Um, find me if you want to get involved to do the work. Please feel free to reach out to me. We would love to talk to you. We'd love to host you on a panel. We would love to expand our network. We will be back next month here on Fishbowl um, at the very end of the month to do a pride report card. So please join us. That'll be a scalding hot session, I imagine. For all of you who have joined us speaker-wise, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Thank you for taking the time. Folks who've been listening, thank you. Have a great rest of your day, and we will see you back here next month. Thank you.
3: Buenas
2: noches. Thank you.
3: Bye, everyone. Bye.
1: That's all, folks. Thanks again for listening
2: to Hardly Working.
1: Join us live next time and talk directly to the speakers and who knows, end up here. Fishbowl is a social network where professionals of the same industry have anonymous career conversations. You can download Fishbowl on the App Store or Google Play. If you want to host a Fishbowl live event, get in touch at live at fishbowlapp.com. See you
3: soon.